0: Hello and welcome once again to our Take Up the Word Bible Study. We are currently going through the Gospel according to John. And uh, we're currently in Chapter 1 of the Book of John. And I just want to, by way of introduction, um, welcome you to Take Up the Word. If this is your first time joining us, I encourage you to go back and and listen through some of our other Bible studies. As we gave a, uh, the last couple weeks, we, we talked about 40 different Gospel proclamations found in the Book of John and gave a brief introduction a few weeks ago about uh, what the book of John was written for and how John wrote that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, this ministry exists as, as Take Up the Word to encourage you to take up the Word, to know the Word, to be doers of the Word, and to proclaim the truth of the Word of God. And as we continue to look at this gospel according to John, um, I encourage you to go to our Facebook page at Take Up the Word, uh, hit hit the like on there, um, and you'll be updated with some of the newer stuff that we have going on. We currently have a podcast out. Uh, my a good friend of mine, James uh, Curtin, uh, has joined me on that podcast, and we, we talk a little bit about some introductory things in our first one, um, and we're hoping to have more out soon. And uh, that podcast is available pretty much anywhere where you get um, your, your podcast at, I know we're on we're on Google Podcasts. We're supposed to be up on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're on Spotify, uh different places. So you can check out our check out our podcast. Um, and uh, again by way of introduction, I want to just let you know that this ministry exists to encourage you in God's word and to be a supplement to the local body of Christ. We're we're not in any way trying to um, cause you to do away with local fellowship. Uh, get into a good local fellowship, be involved in a local church, and use these Bible studies to help you in your growth um, in in the knowledge of the Word of God and to help you to understand the Word of God, but also run all these things that we we talk about, run it through your church, run it through your pastor um, talk talk to them about these things uh so that we 're we 're not just out here trying to to be something that is a replacement for your local church but we're out here because we want to supplement the local church. We want to be a blessing to the body of Christ uh, in many local fellowships, um, wherever you may be. Uh, If you're currently watching us on YouTube, uh, thank you so much for subscribing. Um, Subscribe and click the notification bell, and you'll be notified every time we put a new video up. Uh, We're trying to work out putting up a new video every week. Uh, So um, my name is Kevin Imler. I know that the first few... uh, few videos I did, um, I, I never even made an introduction to myself, but um, my name is Kevin Imler. Um, I'm the founder of this this ministry, Take Up the Word. And um, over the years of, of serving Christ and, and serving within the body of Christ, I've seen that uh, in this day and age, it seems that we have a, a bit of a drought in um, biblical understanding. Um, I know that a lot of people, they, they even claim that they, they read the word, uh, but I don't think that we dig in and really study the work. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to start this ministry, uh, not just to dig into Bible studies, but also to answer theological questions, to um, talk about things like apologetics. And uh, if you don't know what apologetics is, it's just basically having a reasoned defense for the faith, um, what you believe, why you believe it. And uh, with all that being said, um, I want to pick up again this week in John chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 13 this week, and if, if you want a title to this Bible study, um, if, you, if you're one of those ones that take notes, I, I encourage you to take notes. Um, leave us a comment, whether it's on our Facebook page or on the YouTube uh, feed, um, and leave a comment if you have any questions regarding the, the Bible study. Uh, even if you don't have any today, uh, you can even send us a message through Facebook, um, and we'll, we'll get to that, and we'll try to answer it, whether it be on the on the, the Bible study, uh, on our YouTube page, or on the podcast. Uh, we're actually right now um, working on a podcast to answer some of the questions that we had from the first, first video that we put out uh, on the Bible study. But the title of this Bible study is The True Light. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 6 through 13, speaking of the true light. John chapter 1, verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God, Verse thirteen says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God? we see in this uh, these few verses that John the Baptist came as a forerunner to Jesus Christ, and John's purpose was to bear witness that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, the one that would come to take away the sins of the world. I love John's proclamation and uh, as as he sees Christ coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. So we look here, and the beginning of John's ministry was right at the end of the 400 silent years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, There was a period of time where um, God was not speaking through whether it be the prophets or um, there was no new revelation given. And in 400 years' time, um, they were waiting and, and hoping on on these promises that God had already spoken to be fulfilled, and John comes on the scene, and he says, I, "I'm the one, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, hearkening back to um, a prophecy in Isaiah, that he's the one, a voice crying in the wilderness to make straight the ways of the Lord, and he would be the forerunner to Jesus Christ." And if you look in the in the Gospel of uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, mostly in Matthew and Luke, you can see. Uh, that that John, it was prophesied that he would be born, and that he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from within the womb of his mother Elizabeth. And when Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus at the time, came to came to Elizabeth, uh, the baby John leaped in her womb because of the excitement of knowing that um, that uh, at the time that. The Messiah was coming. The Messiah was there. And the one who would bear the Messiah was standing right before Elizabeth, his mother. Um, and that was the baby in the womb, which points to the fact that life begins at conception. Life begins in the womb. The, the child in the mother's womb is, is, a, is a baby, is a human being. Uh, so when, when we look at this 400-year gap, it was a time where God had given no new revelation to his people. So when John steps on the scene, as we'll see later in this chapter, we're going to look at it more, he claims to be fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah, the one of the voice crying in the wilderness. So he makes it clear, though, here in these verses, that he is not the Christ, but that he was sent to point to one greater than himself. He was sent to point to Christ. Look at John 1, 6 through 8. It was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, He came to bear witness about the light. See, it's important to understand what is meant by John coming as a witness. Uh, The Old Testament, and and even in cases of of like church discipline in Matthew chapter 18, uh, it speaks about how no charge can be established except by two or three witnesses. Um, Witnesses were a very important thing um, within the Old Testament time, um, within uh, Jewish law, within the way that they, they ran things. Um, you, you couldn't you couldn't come and have an accusation against your brother if you said or, or against somebody within within the tribe of Israel just coming and saying well you know what he I think he did this and and that the 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 thing could be established but if they had two or three witnesses those things would be established and it would be a guarantee that um, this person who committed a crime or whatever uh, did do in fact what what they're being accused of so witnesses were a big thing um, especially in Jewish culture so. Well, we certainly see that John was was one witness. Um, he was not the only witness who bore witness about Christ. Um, John the Baptist, we have, um, as John the Baptist is bearing witness, uh, he's bearing witness in the book entitled by the Apostle John, who is also bearing witness about Christ. Um, we see in John chapter four, the Samaritan woman at the well, and that that the that she bears witness that the man that she was talking to was the Christ. Um, John chapter chap, chapter 12, uh, Jesus, the Father and the Spirit, and the crowd all bear witness that Jesus is in fact the Christ. And those are just a few who are bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was, who was uh, prophesied to come. So John, coming to bear witness about the light, the light that was come into the world also harkens back to Old Testament prophecy. Um, John chapter 5 verses 39 and 40, if we turn there in our Bibles, John chapter 5 verses 39 through 40. John 5:39 says, "You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me." Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Uh, see, Jesus is speaking here in in John chapter five, and the the Jews of the old of, of that time, um, you had the Pharisees, you had the scribes, the ones that were lawyers, the ones that pored over the law of God um, to make sure that they were following what God's word said. Um, then we have Jesus come on the scene, and he says, you, "You're searching the scriptures. You're, you're searching those scriptures to find." The truth, because you think that in that you have eternal life. But Jesus Christ is the only one who can give eternal life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. And when we see that, Jesus is saying those things that you read in the Old Testament, those things that you read within the law, they bear witness about me. They're the ones that speak of me. And if you had actually followed that, you would know and anticipate my coming. Um, So let's go back again to John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. It says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is speaking of the Christ, of Jesus. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So the light that John the Baptist bore witness to was the light that was coming into the world that gives light to everyone. Um, Not just a specific people group, um, not just the Jews, uh, but it would be Jews and Gentiles alike. These are, one's that that when god told abraham that through his seed many that all the nations would be blessed this is the one who is coming to bring that light into the world this is that promised seed of abraham jesus christ is the promised seed of abraham uh he he would break down all all sorts of walls between between gender and race and and ethnicity and things like that um even though i i you know i believe that uh, there is only one race, it's the human race, and that there's only two types of people. There's those who are in Christ and those who are not. Um, so nothing, nothing. there is no Jew nor Gentile. There is no slave nor free, as it says in, in the book of Galatians. Um, but this light that came into the world can be received and rejected. And even though it can be, this light has been given enough to every man that he's responsible with what he does. Uh, the light of Christ, uh, and this is one of the things that you'll notice as you read through the New Testament, that God says he writes his law upon man's heart. Um, we we know enough of what is morally good and morally wrong, um, what is right and wrong, what's, what's good and bad. Um, and the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world, uh, each one of us is responsible for what we do with this light. So God, through his sovereign power, has given enough of this light to everyone that that even just through general revelation and and even our conscience, that we're all, as Romans 1 says, without excuse. Um, we see general revelation of, of what we see around us, the, the creation screams of the fact that there had to be a creator in the same way that a painting speaks of the fact that there had to be a painter. The building proves that there was a builder. Um, the creation proves that there was a creator, and we have enough of the uh, created order, the natural order around us, to see that there is a Creator God, um, and then the fact that our conscience is written upon our hearts. Um, our conscience—we we know when we do something wrong. Uh, I think about this: you you never have to teach a child to lie. Uh, when you walk into a room and you you, you catch your two or three-year-old with their hand in the cookie jar, um, and you say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Uh, you know, think about what that child does. First reaction: they pull their hand back. They, Nothing. Um, nobody taught them to do that. Uh, but when we when we see those things, um, he knew it was wrong. The child knew it was wrong. That's the conscience that God gives us. And with our God-given conscience, we know the difference between right and wrong. Um, there are those who, who so uh, try to suppress that conscience that they, as Scripture calls it, they, they sear it as with a hot iron. Um, you can sear your conscience. You can you can actually come out to the point where you lie to yourself so much that you believe that right is wrong and wrong is right, um, and that actually goes back to the book of Isaiah as well that the men would do um, call evil good and good evil. So um, when we see these things, none of us, not one person in the world, can say that we don't have an inherent or innate knowledge of right and wrong, and without the fact. Without us suppressing the truth, as we're told in Romans 1, we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. Um, none of us could say at all that we have no evidence for the existence of God. Um, this is one of the reasons why many of us point to, even in our apologetics, we point to certain evidences that God exists. Um, the most obvious one is you exist, and where did you come from? Um, it's, it's, it's so obvious to us that, you know, how do I know right and wrong? And, and to appeal to morals um, really shows us that there's a moral lawgiver, and that moral lawgiver law is our creator, God. So in our unrighteousness, we suppress the truth that God does exist. I, I believe that everybody knows God exists and that they're the ones that would say that I'm an atheist or that I, I don't believe in a God. Um, they have to do a lot to suppress that truth. Uh, so we all know, we have enough evidence to know that God exists. Um, look at Romans chapter 1, um, since I, I talked about it enough here. Romans chapter 1, let's look at verses 19 through, let's let's go down to 21. Romans 1, 19 through 21. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. When we think about Jesus being the light, um, we talk about a foolish heart. The foolish heart is what? It's a darkened heart. The foolish hearts were darkened. So, what can what can help a darkened, foolish heart? See, the light of Christ is able to even overcome the most darkest of hearts. Uh, I could share testimony with you of uh, the life that I lived and, and the fact that um, I well listen to our first podcast uh, and and you'll get to hear a little bit. But I, I didn't know I didn't even didn't even recognize God as God, um, and, and sinfulness uh, was something that I did well. Um, I, I, I could sin with the best of them because my heart was dark. Um, I remember even at times um, the thought would come to my mind that if I died, there was just, that was it. It was death, darkness, no more. Um, until, until I came to a realization and, and understanding that God not only exists, he also sent a way for us to be saved. And that was through his son, Jesus Christ. And, um, at the moment of my conversion, the moment I, I gave my life over to Christ and and God did this wonderful work of regeneration in my life, uh, I no longer feared death. I no longer had that that dark, gloomy feeling overshadowing me all the time when I'd think about death because uh, I knew that there was something greater um, after this life. So uh, when we when we talk about the light of Christ shining in our hearts uh, and and we, I gave an analogy a few weeks back about uh, turning on a light in a dark room that no matter how dark the room is, it could be pitch black in there that you can't see your hand in front of your face. You turn that light on, and it illuminates the room. Uh, it's the same thing that the light of Christ can do in our dark hearts. And the thing is is that Christ does this through humility, humbling ourselves. And a little humility goes a long way in a darkened heart. Uh, when When our conscience is pricked, when When we come to the realization that um what we do that is that we consider wrong or immoral um, is sin against the holy god uh our conscience is pricked and then the gospel call can go forth and and if you hear somebody preaching the gospel and um if you listen to our first podcast uh we we give a very thorough gospel presentation in that uh you hear the gospel through somebody preaching. Preaching it, um, God through His Holy Spirit is able to draw even the worst of sinners out of the darkest of depths and into His marvelous light, to draw them to Himself. Uh, every Christian has this testimony I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Uh, I once was in darkness, but now I'm in light. Uh, the light of Christ has shined in my heart, and God has drawn me to Himself. I'm no longer in darkness but I walk in the light of Christ. So Jesus himself even said that all who the Father gives to him will come to him, and no one can come unless the Father draws him. So this drawing, or this compelling, uh, as we as we read in, and we'll look at it in John chapter, I believe John chapter 6, John chapter 10, uh, this drawing, or, or the better word to be used here is, is a compelling, creates humility in the one who is drawn, it creates a humility in, in, in us. And when, when you think about it, um, think about a horse-drawn carriage. Uh, what does the carriage do? Uh, the carriage is drawn by the horse. It is compelled by the, the power of the horse to move wherever it would go, wherever the horse would would uh, take it. Uh, so this is the same thing with us. We, we humble ourselves down to our lowest of lows and say, I can't even move forward at all without the power of God to compel me. And this this compelling through God, through His Holy Spirit, this drawing, is the beginning of our coming to Christ. Um, when we look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Beatitudes in, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, the, the first, and if you want to look at these like like rungs in a ladder, steps to our... Our, our understanding of um, what is happening in in our lives through the drawing power of God and the fact that he's changing our lives. Um, the first beatitude says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, the ones that are that are truly humble. Uh, I have nothing in myself that's any good that would warrant my salvation that would would say God would choose me over anyone else uh, completely humble and and notice what it says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, The first step in, if if you want to call it that way, uh, first step in us even coming to Christ and coming to salvation is humility, uh, being broken, poor in spirit. And even as we look at it, the poor in spirit, the humble, those who are humble, uh, you know, leads right into the next beatitude, where it says that the the, they mourn over their sin. You know. Blessed are those who mourn, for what does it say? Uh, you know, in, in our fallen state, we mourn over our sinfulness. We mourn over the fact that that we're we're so humbled by the fact that God is a great God, and that that we truly are nothing without Him. Um, we we mourn over the fact that we we were fallen in sin, that, that we were separated from God through our wicked works, that uh, that we we were. There's nothing in us any good for for God to look at us and say that we he would choose us. But we humble ourselves. We mourn over our sin. And the following verse in Matthew 5 says that the mourner will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Um, this comfort comes through God. This comfort can only come through God. And he comforts us not just in a way of, of, of patting us on the shoulder and saying, well, everything's okay. Uh, this comfort is, is more in in the aspect of and if you look up the the older English uh, definition of comfort um, it's a propelling onward toward something um, so God comforts us in our in our mourning to not stay in that place of mourning and not stay just in that place of, of i'm a wicked sinner and I don't deserve this to the, to the point of saying you know okay i saved you move forward in holiness Move forward in sanctification. Move forward in your righteousness. And God propels us onward toward righteousness. This is comfort. Um, as, as I even talked about, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago, um, when we talk about the shepherd, the good shepherd, uh, he, the good shepherd in, in Psalm 23 has a rod and a staff. And the rod, um, we, we have the rod of the shepherd, and the rod drives away wolves or outside threats, but the staff brings correction to the sheep. Uh, it, it's it's the thing that you hook around the neck and draw the sheep back into the sheepfold and things like that. Um, these things comfort us. Why? Because they're protecting us from outside forces that would try to defeat us, but they're also correcting us and drawing us back into um, the way and and into truth. So... Uh, we're brought close to God through faith and this nearness to God brings our once troubled soul great comfort. It brings brings uh, so much joy to us knowing that, that we are right with God. Um, so how could one of us who was once so far from God through our sin and our rebellion, how could we now be brought near to God through faith in the finished work of Christ? How could we continue any more in mourning? How could we continue any longer mourning the fact see Jesus paid the price we we talked the, about the forty gospel proclamations found within the book of John and Jesus paid the price he paid it all it is finished um, and when we're brought near to God, nothing read read Romans chapter eight nothing can separate us from that love of god uh there's there's no outside force that could possibly drive a wedge between us and the love of God so Why do you have to mourn anymore? Of course you'll be comforted because you're in a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So this mourning is turned into rejoicing and peace and comfort of knowing that I once was lost, but now I'm found. We're going to pause right there uh, in this study through the book of John, uh, John chapter 1, and we're looking at the true light of who Jesus Christ is and how John came to bear witness Uh, next week we will pick up where we left off this week and we hope you enjoyed this Bible study Uh, if you haven't yet go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel Uh, go to our Facebook page and like our page Uh, hit the notification bell on our YouTube and you'll be notified when we release new videos and anytime that they come out uh, you you will be the first ones to be notified and uh, we just want to thank you for joining us in this Bible study and joining us to Take Up the Word, uh, where this ministry exists to encourage you to take up the Word, to know the Word, to obey God's Word, and to proclaim the truth of God's Word to a lost and dying world.